0: Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is from our series, Amos, Let Justice Roll. Everyone knows that our world is not the way it should be. And yet as Christians, we know that God executes justice and will restore the world to the perfection he created it in. We'll be exploring how it is that God is just and justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. We'll be reading Amos chapter one, verses one and two. The words of Amos, who was one of the sheep breeders from Tekoa, what he saw regarding Israel in the days of King Uzziah of Judah and Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. He said, the Lord roars from Zion and makes his voice heard from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds mourn. And the summit of Carmel withers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Ian. Boy, wasn't
1: last week awesome. Uh, make up your mind. You know, that was, the, I was weak. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, there we go. Hey, God did great things last week. I had... 11 cards to go through this week for people who said, hey, I want to follow Jesus. Yeah, yeah, incredible, incredible move of God last week. And this week, we get to start a new series through the book of Amos. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Um uh, <laughs> I knew y'all would be excited. I knew it. I knew you would be so excited when I said that. Um, so if you don't know where Amos is, uh, which, hey, let me let, let you off the hook. Go ahead, turn to the front of your Bible. It'll have page numbers. Just turn to the page. <laughs> don't do that whole thing where you're like, oh, man, I really got to find it. My neighbor's going to know. Um. Just flip to the front. It's not cheating, okay? Just turn to the front. Get there with me. Uh, it is page eight eleven in the pew Bible in front of you. So if you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. Take that with you home. Uh, page eight eleven. Uh, you'll see Daniel, um, uh, Hosea, Joel, and then you'll see Amos. Okay. Uh, so turn there. I want you to. I want you to physically turn there. Uh, if you have a smartphone, it's much easier. Just type. Amos. And if the cookies come up, continue further, chapter 1. Boy, what a crowd today. Y'all don't even like cookies. What is wrong with you? And and what we're going to talk about for the next 6-7 weeks is this. We're going to walk through the book of Amos, and we're going to ask the question, what is justice? Everybody say justice. What is justice? Today, we're going to cover the first chapter and a little bit into chapter two, just the first three verses. Um, but let me, let me poll and see who I'm talking to this morning. How many of you like courtroom dramas? How many of you watch them and you think, I, w- I wish I was a lawyer? I do all the time. I specific I don't know. I specifically watched lawyers on these movies and TV shows in envy because I'm like, how do you argue so well? I wish I could implement this in my marriage, you know? I wish I could. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. But really. Um, <laughs> or even with friends, not even in marriage, just in general. I just I was like, man, they're so smart, you know, they're clever. I love courtroom dramas, I love the movies, I love, um, and one I just watched for the first time, I've watched it twice now, is um, Just Mercy. You have to watch that, so good, such a great movie. Um, And really what it exposes is, what we're gonna talk about out of Amos, which is how we, and by we I mean humans, get justice wrong. And it's so skewed. a matter of fact, um, I think as Americans, we can kind of say we are the most just or we should be the compass by which, you know, we look at other nations and we're like, oh, look at the injustices over there. And then we look over here and and we almost pride ourselves on being just when we as a people, even in the U.S., the good old U.S. of A. are flawed. Flawed. It's flawed. And it's going to be flawed as long as we are human. I love courtroom dramas. I love when, you know, both sides have made their case, right? Um, And they, they give like their final pitch, like right at the end, and that's not what they call it. They call it something else. But I'm not a lawyer. I don't know. Do I have any lawyers in here? Man. We need more lawyers in church. <laughs> Why aren't there more lawyers in church? That's the question. No, I'm just kidding. It's not the question. Um, both sides have made their final case, okay? And, and then what happens? The judge, right? He goes to his chambers or wherever, and, and he peruses the law. He peruses different case studies, and, and he makes Who's responsible for saying what is just? The judge. That's who it falls to in our society, correct? That's right. He or she will determine what is just. And so the judge comes back out and even uh, some, some of us like those like real life shows where you like watch actual courtroom. Do you do you watch actual courtroom courtroom TV? Anybody? So the judge comes back out. He sits in their seat. And everybody's kind of on pins and needles. Everybody's on pins and needles wondering what verdict is going to come down. It's my favorite part. And usually the judge gives some reasonings. He takes all the info in and then he makes a decision based on the law. Right? What we're about to walk through in the book of Amos is the ultimate judge pronouncing ultimate judgment. Because he is the one who is just. Today, everybody poke your neighbor, say today. Okay, just the poke was because some of y'all are asleep and y'all should wake up. Um, Today, we have to, as Christians, know what it looks like to live justly. And not according to what's, and what we're gonna find out today is not according to what's going on around us. Culture does not determine what is just. In fact, the laws of the land the Lord has allowed to be instituted, okay? So the Lord is sovereign over all of those things, but He did not write the laws we did. And it was not divinely inspired, as some of you, as some of you may, may would think. The only divinely inspired word we have is right here. So in here we find justice. In here we find the way to live justly. So let me tell you where we are. You can't know where you're going unless you know where you are. That's true, Right? Well, for some of you, I guess, some of you just, you are wherever you are, and then you figure the rest out. (laughs) I hate riding with people like you, because you're like, we're almost there, you don't know where we are. (laughs) So we're in page 811, that's where we are. That was a joke too, yeah. Yeah. Actually, what I was wanting to tell you is where we are in history. All right, so in the Bible, in the story of time, we have creation, right? God created the heavens and the earth. We have creation, and then um, he creates all that we see, and we move from the creation stage, Adam and Eve, sin, brokenness, to Abraham. We see Abraham in what we call the patriarchal stage, And you'll recognize these names if you've been in church for any time. If you have not been in church for any time, these are the big dudes of the Old Testament. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Now, you'll remember Joseph, even some secular folks will remember Joseph because of his coat of many colors and that he became um, a a, a prince and a king. And he was the reason that the people of God ended up in Egypt. Everybody say Egypt. Egypt. So we get into Egypt and that ex- uh, enters us into the exodus phase. They end up into slavery. The people of God are in slavery. Um, they get out of slavery. You remember? The water's open. Have you ever tried that at the pool? I remember growing up in, in church. I was like, I'm going to slap this stick on the pool. And, I'm gonna, and Jesus is going to split the water right here. It never worked. It still doesn't work. I can tell some of you didn't do that. Um They get out of slavery and enter into conquest states. So the people of God have gone from uh, creation to the land of their fathers traveling into Egypt and enslaved and they get out of slavery. They begin conquesting. And we talked about this uh, last year. You remember when we went through the book of Numbers? You remember that? We talked about all the crazy wanderings they did. That um, was this conquest stage. They went through, they got into the land. Um, they had some judges at first. They didn't always have kings. Then we, then we have the UK. And not the UK as you would think, but the United Kingdom. So they had this, their one kingdom. And they said, hey, everybody else has kings. We want kings. And so God let them have kings. We had Saul, David, and Solomon. Okay. How many, how many of you know that sometimes God creates things to work one way? We ask him, you know, we think it should be like this, and then he allows that, and then we're like, oh, this is awful. No? Okay. Well, I've seen that, and I've seen it in your life too, um, but the result was after Solomon died, they had a civil war, and the kingdom split into a northern kingdom that they would call Israel and a southern kingdom that they would call Judah. And that's where we find ourselves today in this text. Amos, the way God communicated. You know how God communicates today? Through his word and through the proclamation of his word um, in church on Sundays. Back then, it was judges, and then it was kings, and now it's prophets. And so, this is where we find ourselves. Right after this, right after um, this civil war, and they split, they ended up getting conquered by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. And they went into, again, slavery, slavery. Um, Captivity, and then they would return, then Jesus would come, he would die on the cross, he would rectify it all on the cross, and then we would end up in Acts where we were the last several weeks leading up to Easter. Why did why should this matter to you? Why should this matter to you? Because we have to reckon, we have to figure out a way to handle the injustice we see around us. And frankly, We need to look at our own hearts in the process. And that's what Amos is going to call us to do. So who's Amos? This is not famous Amos. This is not the cookie guy. Amos was a farmer. Shocked? You should be. Let me tell you about Amos. Amos was a sheep breeder. He specifically said sheep breeder. He didn't want to be uh, confused with a shepherd because he wasn't. He had no sort of his daddy wasn't a prophet. His daddy wasn't a priest. He was a farmer. And I want to take a moment just to pause there and say, I, if you think that your current vocation just because your pre, your family history doesn't say church or your Family history doesn't say preacher that God hasn't called you to say something. Amos was a farmer. He was a sheep breeder and he picked sycamore fruit. That's where God called him. This should give you great um, encouragement. And I'll tell you why. Because God will call you straight out of being an EMT. Straight out of being a customer service rep. Straight out of working at the bank or VDOT, straight out of being a nurse or an insurance salesman. God will pluck you out of right where you are. God doesn't use the smartest. God does not even, in fact, use only the priest and the prophet. God uses the obedient. God uses the obedient. I don't care if you're in high school or you're in retirement. God uses the obedient. And so he used a farmer, which I love. Amos is a farmer, and we see that in one one. He says uh, the words of Amos, who was a sheep herder from Tekoa. You know where Tekoa is, right? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I knew you did. I'm just going to tell you, because... Some of you might not. Tekoa was 11 miles south of Jerusalem. So he actually lived in Judah and God is calling him to prophesy to Israel. Now they're at odds with one another. And this is actually a very prosperous time for Israel. Um, uh, The king of Judah was Uzziah. The king of uh, Israel was this guy named Jeroboam. Jeroboam II. And All of Israel's kings were notably wicked, but they were getting a ton of success currently um, because Jeroboam was uh, kind of putting on the altar anything um, that would prevent them from being rich and successful, including people's lives. So Amos Called of God. There was a school of prophets at the time. He was not from there. He was from Tekoa, 11 miles south of Jerusalem. He travels to this place called Bethel uh, where they have this uh, church to... uh, Jeroboam at this time is allowing false gods to be worshiped in Israel where God is supposed to be the only one worshiped. False gods. And so Amos... Heads up to Bethel, sets up camp. Two years before the earthquake, this was a bad earthquake because Zechariah actually later on, 250 years later, mentions this earthquake. It must have been bad. And I want to point your attention to this verse right here. It says, he said, the Lord roars from Zion and makes his voice heard from Jerusalem. Have you ever wondered why the word Lord, are you looking at it? Did you see it in there? The word Lord, if you're reading it in the Bible, is completely capitalized. L-O-R-D, all capitalized. Do you know why it's completely capitalized? You're going to learn today. Aren't you glad you came? Oh, you just, some of you just came for pizza. I think that's why you're here. Some of you got drug here and it looks like it. I'll be honest. Yeah, you look sad. Um, the Lord is capitalized, uh, and you'll see it two ways in the Bible. You'll see it all uppercase, or you'll see capital L, lowercase O R D. Um, just very quickly, Lord, all caps was meant to designate Yahweh. This is a covenant name of God. This is the God we heard of in Exodus three, when Moses went up on the mountain and uh, saw the fire. Okay, he said, "I am that I am." Okay, he he is to be. Yahweh covenant God and when we see it in lowercase it is Adonai it's meant to mean the relational master the one who works with us so Amos stands up here in Bethel facing all of these people that really don't like him and he's just a farmer so really what we'll find is nobody actually listens but he proclaims the Lord roars Yahweh, the covenant God, the God that you have forgotten, that you made covenant with, is roaring from Zion. And what we're going to see over the next few verses here, and we're going to kind of move quickly through that, um, is he's almost going to make this circle, okay? Everybody do that. Make a circle with your hand. Yeah, that's good. Some of y'all, your circles were a little oblong, but it's okay. <laughs> I can't draw a circle to save my life. Um, he's going if to, if Israel was right here in the center, he's going to draw a circle around Israel by naming all of these other nations. He's going to look at all these other nations. Gentile nations, not Judah, not Israel. He's going to look at all these other nations, and he's going to pronounce judgment over them. And then he's basically going to look back at them and say, hey, listen, look at how you have allowed everything around you, all the cultures around you, to affect what God has called you to. And now what other people would say is just, you're saying is just, but it is not just. Um, You know this is true, right? You will take on your environment, right? People say that all the time. Just look at the family. They say the longer you're married to someone, the more you look like them even. Did you know that? Y'all know the joke, right? Y'all know where I'm going. I've said it like 87 times about how blessed my wife is that she's married to me. (laughs) The church, and in particular here, Israel, has taken on and said, has allowed the culture to infiltrate the church and begin to dictate what is right and what is wrong. And now all of a sudden, they're not living for God. They're living for the culture. It doesn't doesn't happen in an instance. You know this. It doesn't happen in an instance. It happens over years and time and generations to the point that you're almost numb to it and you don't see it. And Amos is called by God to stand up and shout from the rooftops. Repent and return to God because he is the one who is just. The point for today is God is the only one with the authority to set the ethical standards for the world. God is the only one who can do that. So let's look at what he's, some of this judgment he pronounces. Look with me, read with me. Let's look at chapter uh, 1, verse 3. It says, um, the first person they go, that um, Amos goes after here is Syria. Um, their capital of Syria is Damascus. The Lord says, "I will not relent from punishing Damascus for three for three crimes, even four, because they threshold Gilead with iron sledges." And then he pronounces judgment over Syria. So Syria, Damascus, uh, his judgment over them is that they're cruel. They're cruel. Syria was known particularly for being extra cruel. This iron sledge was actually a farming mechanism, which uh, Amos would have been familiar with. It was a farming mechanism. Uh, it was kind of seven foot wide, about three feet, and it would have rocks attached to the bottom of it, and it was used to separate the wheat from the tare. So they would drag it, and what they, Syria, what they would do is they would take their enemies, those that they opposed, And they would drag this across them. They were cruel towards those they opposed. Now, some of you today may would say, oh, I haven't done that this week. Okay. But have you been cruel to someone that you don't like? Because look, what what Amos is pointing out here, yes, the action itself was cruel. The posture is what he's after. The fact that these people were cruel towards those they oppose. And to the people in Damascus, that was okay. That was just to do that. And Amos says, no, that is not just. And he begins to proclaim what the Lord has spoken, that he's going to pronounce judgment on Damascus. Let's look who's next. Gaza. The Lord says, I will not relent, verse six, from punishing Gaza for three crimes, even four, because they exiled a whole community, handing them over to Edom. He accuses and pronounces judgment over damascus for being cruel he pronounces judgment over gaza for being callous they would war and when they would fight with people they would take whole communities and sell them into slavery for profit they didn't need slaves and so they would sell people entire communities Consider this for just a moment. And they would say, that is just and okay. That's right to do. Right? So he pronounces judgment over Damascus for being cruel, Gaza for being callous and not caring. And you would say, I haven't sold anybody into slavery this week. Okay. High five. But have you been hard hearted? towards your brother or sister, and not cared about their plight. Today, I I think that the the temptation is to read through these and say, oh, this is awful, pastor. This is awful. When you share some of the same heart postures that these people do. But you would never call it that. Because you determine how right you are, how wrong you are, by judging against others. when really you should be determining whether your life is just, whether your right, life is right or wrong based on God. You see, your comparison's off. You'll read through this whole list and you'll be like, man, I'm safe. But are you? Are you? I would ask you to check your heart this morning. He he looks at Tyre in the next section, which is in Phoenicia, and he, he um Uh, In verse 9, it says, the Lord says, I will not relent against Tyre uh, for three crimes, even four, because they handed over a whole community of exiles to Edom and broke a treaty of brotherhood. Now, historically speaking, historically speaking, Tyre and the Israelites have always had a good relationship. But then Tyre figured out they could make some money. And they broke their covenant with Israel. This covenant was made during the time of Saul. So they made this covenant with Tyre that, hey, we're, we're gonna stay peaceful with one another and they broke it for the sake of financial gain. The Lord takes very seriously covenant breakers. And in this case, they were peaceful with Israel all this time and then the, um, Amos cries for the Lord. The Lord is roaring at them hey, I'm gonna have to pronounce judgment on you because all you saw was dollar signs instead of your word. Keep on going. Verse 11. The Lord says, I will not relent against punishing Edom for three times, even four, because he pursued his brother with the sword. He stifled his compassion, his anger tore at him continually and he harbored his rage incessantly. That could be some of you today. That could be some of you today. Let me, you've heard two names before, Jacob and Esau. Have you heard these names? Jacob and Esau, they were brothers, right? You ever had it out with one of your siblings? I know you haven't. You're too righteous for all that. You go here. Um, Me and my brothers used to have it out all the time. I'm talking scrap, like single wide trailer, out in the middle of Charles City Woods, like, busting on each other. And we love each other to today. I doubt he's watching. He works at Dominion like seven days a week. Um, But he would confirm that story. Um, In this case, with Jacob and Esau, Jacob stole Esau's birthright. He stole the family goods. And he did it deceptively. Okay? Edom, who we're talking about now, are the descendants of Esau. Uh, Israel are the descendants of Jacob. This is what this means. The people of Edom, all of them, have been holding this anger incessantly, is what scripture says, for all these years. Because they have taken the sword to Israel. Um, Just... Time out for a second. Do you know how dangerous, unchecked anger in your heart, do you know how much damage that can cause? Yeah, you will leave a tornado path with unchecked issues that you have with other people. You will leave a tornado path. And this is the condemnation that God has for Edom here that He's saying, hey, in Genesis 35, they, the last time we saw Jacob and Esau together was in Genesis 35 when they came to bury their dad. And so they buried their dad together, but Esau never buried his bitterness. And now, generations later, we have Edom and Israel that Edom constantly attacking Israel. Pursuing their brother, notice the word brother, it's legit. It's because they were brothers. They are legitimately related. Some of y'all's Thanksgivings are like that. (laughs) That uncomfortable laugh, that's the same one you have at Thanksgiving. (laughs) Yeah. And then in 13, we see the Ammonites. Everybody say Ammonites. You'll see where we're going here in a second. I'm going to shut it down. I will not relent from punishing the Ammonites for three times or even four. Have you seen this repetitively, this phrase right here, for three times, even four? All this means is it's a, it's a Hebrew idiom that means sin upon sin upon sin. It's not that Christ remembered three and then just remembered a fourth. It's not that. It's that they're heaping sin upon each other. Because they ripped open the pregnant woman of Gilead in order to enlarge their territory. Abortion isn't just an issue we face in this nation at this time. Um, The Lord's issue with the Ammonites is that they placed above human life what they can gain, what makes them more comfortable. And let me tell you, church, we are no different today. We will place Almost anything under the, the covering of I want to be comfortable, I don't want to be held accountable, and so for all of those things, I will sacrifice whatever. I will sacrifice friends and family, I'll lay on the altar, even as a nation, the lives of young babies. And I feel almost every, every time I bring up abortion, I, I, I have to backpedal a little bit because I don't know who's in the room and who's walked through that road. But I will tell you this, that we are a church that is for the baby, absolutely. But we are also for the mom that has to make that decision, who has walked through that decision. We are also for the dad, those who are scared. Um. And most people, when they bring up abortion, they want to argue with me about abortion and, and say how it's right. I will tell you that 98%, statistically, statistically, this isn't just how I feel about it. These are the facts. 98% of them are for convenience. If we'll agree that that's not okay, then we can have a conversation about the rest, okay? Let's have a conversation about the rest. But... but we, as a church, I can't shy away from the fact that we have to value life. And all of these judgments in Amos so far are because people have placed other things above how God values life. How God values justness. And we want to, I don't know, it, it seems like we want to wave the justice flag when it's convenient for us, but not when it convicts us. These Ammonites are killing pregnant moms to kill the future of people. Future of nations so they can gain more territory. How wicked. And actually, these Ammonites and the next people we talk about, the Moabites, you know their lineage? You remember Lot? You remember Lot from the Bible? Um, And Lot um, had incestuous relationships with his daughters, the, the, the Ammonites came from the younger daughter and the Moabites came from the older daughter. If you don't think there's a ripple to your sin, just read the Bible. Just read the Bible. Now, thankfully, the cross covers that. The cross covers sin, um, But let's look at the Moabite folks, and this is actually in chapter two. The Lord, uh, verse one, chapter two, I will not relent against punishing Moab for three crimes, even four, because he burned the bones of the king of Edom to lime. So here's what happened. The Moabites got upset at Edom, so when they went to war with Edom, they invaded. Um, They came and conquered some of their area. They dug up Edom's king, out of the ground, and burned him. He was already dead. A distinct devaluing of life. Of what justice should look like. Damascus, cruel, Gaza, callous, Tyre, covenant breakers, Edom, unmerciful, Ammonites, Disrespectful Moabites Disgraceful And why does the Lord Capitals Yahweh Why does he get to pronounce it Because he is the one Who never changes um, I read a quote In preparing for this Because the question we're trying to answer today Is what is justice What is justice And what we're saying is that Um where did my thing go? Oh, my notes. Some of my notes are still on my phone. Um, if, you, if you look up how does someone determine what's just and not just, you, you know what psychology will tell you? I find justice in here. What's right and wrong? I, I find, I determine for myself what's right and wrong. Do you know what slippery slope that would include? Um, Is all of the people we just read thought they were just in doing what they were doing. Louis Farrakhan, which kind of a controversial figure, he said something about justice and I want to read it to you. There really can be no no peace without justice. There can be no justice without truth, and there can be no truth unless someone rises up to tell you the truth. Amos stood proudly, confidently in Bethel, declaring these judgments on the nations around Israel. So he's, he's called to pronounce judgment on Israel. But he spends the first whole chapter and a little bit of the second pronouncing judgment on the nations around Israel. You know why? Because their way of life, we're going to find out next week, had infiltrated Israel. So Amos is almost uh, leading them down this path to be like the Israelites. If you're sitting here listening to him, you're probably thinking, which some of you do on Sunday mornings. You'll come in and be like, man, he's right. Look at those people. Y'all love when I preach about culture outside the church. Y'all like, yeah, you know what? I'm on board with him now. But the moment, and and preachers use this trick all the time. Amos is doing the same thing. He's declaring, look at all these nations and how wicked they are. And next week, he's going to point the finger right at them and say, you are wicked. Hear me today. As believers, as Christians, our litmus test for what is just, what is right, and what is wrong cannot be you're better than your neighbor. It cannot be the U.S. has a better way of life than the Middle East. It can't be that either. It has to be God and God alone that is the litmus test for what is right and wrong. What is truth? What is just? God is the only one with the authority to set the ethical standards for the world. Look around. Look around you. Now I'm gonna get ready to close. That's sooner. Me and Demetria talk before service every week, and she's like, hey, how are you landing the plane? So I know when to come up, and most of the time I get there, but today I'm looking at the time and I'm going to land the plane more of a nosedive than a soft landing, so buckle up. (laughs) Look around you. Watch the news. How well is it us determining our own justice? How well is that working out? It's never worked out. It's never worked out when we are relying on our own hearts and minds to determine what is just. Uh, The Hebrew term for just is mishpat. This term not only means justice as punishment, but it means justice in the sense of here's truth. And it's people getting what they deserve. Not just in punishment, But the poor receiving care. But the rejected receiving shelter. Understand something. This Israelite understanding of what God said is just is not just punishment. It's not just someone uh, ending up in jail or receiving retribution for whatever they have done. Justice is a much broader term that the people of God are called to. That song we sang today that said, let justice roll like a river, comes from this book. And it's calling us as Christians, as believers, as God followers, to be a just people. And not just in your terms, just in God's terms. The culture today would have you believe that truth okay so in order to know what is just you have to know what is true right what will culture tell you to do you go anywhere in the self help section of barnes and nobles and what you will find is some book telling you that truth comes from within and you will have the bible shouting right back at you from proverbs 14:12 saying there's a way that seems right to a man and in the end it leads to death your heart will lie to you And if that's news to you, I'm sorry. I hope you come back next week. Some of you are like, I'm not coming back to this place. That's weird. He's talking about weird stuff the whole time. So I'm trying to land the plane kind of a little abruptly here, but how consistent are you? How consistent is your heart? How consistent is your justice system? I don't know. Let's take a review. Let's put your life on the playback reel. you still believe some of the things you used to believe were right when you were younger? You're already shifting. And guess what? Next year you will shift again. That's why justice has to depend on truth. And truth being something that does not change or is altered. Truth doesn't mature. Truth is. And truth is not mobile. Truth is not in you. Truth is in the Lord. God is consistent. And that's a good thing. Hebrews 13.8 says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is a dependent truth. That truth, this truth that we study and he reveals in his word, never changes. That's where we should be. That's where, and we're gonna talk for the next six weeks about more in detail about what justice looks like in scripture. But what I can tell you from how he looked at the nations is this. (laughs) If I looked at some of your Facebook pages, I wonder how cruel you would seem to those who believe differently than you do or those who oppose you. I wonder what your conversations look like with those who you disagree with. I wonder sometimes, if I were to look at your life and we were to play back the last seven days, I wonder if people would say that you're callous and you're cruel and you've been unmerciful. And at the end of the day, the reason most of these judgments have come down is because people have gone from one way of thinking about what God values to their own way of thinking about what they value and it has changed their justice system internally. I tell you what, let me read this scripture to you real quick. Isaiah 55, eight and nine says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Some of us, it makes us uncomfortable the fact that you feel like you need to have the answer all the time. Um, I look to the Lord. I look to the Lord for a lot of reasons, but I have found myself to be oftentimes swayed by... The environments I'm in and the people I'm around. And Jesus, God, his word has got to be the compass by which we orient about what's right and what's wrong. It can't be a news station. It cannot be my friends on Facebook. It cannot be the small, maybe echo chambers that I stay in. I have to go to the rock. I have to go to the source of all truth. I have to go to his word, and it will tell me what is right and what is wrong, what is truth, and allow me to live a just life. He's the judge because he is the point of reference. He is the Law. God doesn't have to go to some library of case studies to determine the outcome or what's right or what's wrong. He is what's right. He determines what's wrong. He is the compass. And over the next six weeks, it's my prayer that we as Christians say, you, you would live a godly, just life. Because there's nothing. Uh, you know what? It just came to my mind. 2 Peter, chapter 3. One of the things I wanted to say before we left today, before we go eat pizza, and look, if you didn't raise your hand for pizza, you can come back, okay? Sneak back there. I'm gonna get mine first and then y'all can have whatever's left. I'm just kidding. (laughs) As we look around, can I tell you one of my own frustrations? Sometimes I get frustrated because it seems like all I see is injustice and I wonder what God is doing about it. And this scripture fell into my heart and that this, I think Amos was crying this. Judgment's coming, right? Delayed justice is not denied justice. Delayed justice is not denied justice. Look at this. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. I know you guys, I, I, I get frustrated just like you when I look around and I'm like, man, that's not right. That doesn't seem right. And I look forward evermore to the day when Christ returns and reconciles and pronounces his justice. Every tear will be dried. Every brokenness healed. That day's coming. And if you're wondering, man, it just seems like God's delaying. When is it going to happen, Pastor? When's this justice come? Because even some of your own hearts this morning, you have experienced injustice yourself. And you say... I don't see this in scripture, brother. How do I handle that? I, I haven't seen justice in my situation yet. I can only tell you this. I can only tell you this. That it's coming. He is coming again to make all things right. And, what, and, and just as Peter said, it may seem like a delay to you, but it's not a delay. It is his grace and mercy showered That everyone would have an opportunity to hear that Jesus Christ has come to save sinners. And in all the repentance we've been called to, we can repent. We can know God. We can be reconciled to him. We can be together with the Lord. And it is just his grace and mercy that he is waiting. And it's painful in the waiting but we want to be a people that says, let justice roll like a river. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some uncomfortable topics. So if you like the uncomfortable, weird stuff, come back next week. I encourage you to. But only come if you want to encounter the Lord and allow his word to transform your heart. There are better hobbies on the weekend than coming here and listen to me talk. Okay? Um, we come to proclaim the word of the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts through it. That's why we're here. And I pray that's why you're here. And I hope you leave different. Cards on the table. If you leave here the same, what a disappointment. What a disappointment. God's word is here to meet you right where you are. Okay? Whether you're up here, I'm sure on your own justice scale, you're like, oh yeah, I'm a pretty just guy. You know, I've got it figured out. You may find out otherwise over the coming weeks. But I will tell you that the Lord is faithful. His grace and mercy is new every morning. And I am so excited to walk through this book with you. I think it's going to change your life. I think it's going to change how you view the world around you. And I'm excited about that. Would you pray with me? Father, today, I'm so thankful for your presence here. I ask today that you would help us to be a just people and that we would look to you for those things. God, I love you. I give you praise for your work in this place. In Christ's mighty name, everyone said.